are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Did you enjoy the first song of Summer Playlist last week? Are you ready for the second song? All right, let's get to the word here. Check this out. I want to lay a foundation for where we're going. Check this out. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 through 16. This is Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trust, trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence, that word means rude or disrespectful behavior, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Verse 14. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. Can anybody say amen for that? He filled me with the faith and the love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. The grace is for everyone, Paul is saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to what? Save sinners. And I am the worst of all of them. This is Paul. He said, I'm the worst, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could. Can you read those last next two words? So that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I want to read verse 15 and 16 from the message translation. It says this, here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm proof, Paul says, public sinner, number one, of someone who could never have made it apart from sheer mercy. And now he shows me off. Evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. What Paul heard God saying here in these verses is that Paul, in spite of your failures, in spite of you persecuting my followers, in spite of your unbelief and all your sin, that I, God, still want to use someone just like you. Paul was saying, you know that I could use somebody Someone just like you. I've been roaming around, always looking down at all I see. Painted faces in the places I can't read. You know that I could use somebody You know that I could use somebody Someone like you and all you know and how you see Countless love 
somebody Someone like you somebody. I know Dave's in town, but the fuel band's in town every single weekend. Come on. Use somebody. And God wants to use somebody just like you. Someone say, just like me. Someone say, just like me. Imagine Paul. This is Paul, y'all. This is Paul, chief of all sinners. Uh, Pharisee of Pharisees, the one who mocked and killed, had Christians killed, the one who was there when Stephen was stoned in the book of Acts, Paul had a part of that, the one who was having meetings on a Friday night with all his crew talking about who they're going to kill next, who, what Jesus followers are being a threat to society and culture, let's take them out. Next, this is Paul. This is Paul who was against everything Jesus was teaching. This is Paul who, after the resurrection, the crucifixion, the resurrection, Paul has an encounter with Jesus. It's his first encounter that we know of that's recorded in the Gospels. He has an encounter in the book of Acts 
with Jesus and Jesus appears to him while he is on his donkey and literally knocks him off and uh, causes blindness to come upon him. And Paul begins to, or God begins to speak to Paul and says, hey, Paul, why are you persecuting against me and my followers? Paul, don't you know that I want to use somebody just like you? I want to use you for a great cause. And Paul's life completely changed in that very moment. You see, God has a calling for each and every person here. Every person listening, whether you believe it or not, God has called you. God has marked you for destiny. Can I get an amen? God wants to use somebody just like you. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're already trying to get off the train, but because you're having thoughts of, you know, how could God use someone like me? Like, you don't know my past. You don't know the thoughts in my head. You don't know the struggles that I go through. How could God use someone like me? And what hinders most of us, most of us in here from being used by God is a sense of personal insignificance. A sense of personal insignificance. Because we think, we think, how can I really make a difference? How can little old me living in little old Kokomo really make a difference in somebody's life? How, how, how could God use me? My, my past is too bad, and I don't really believe any good can come out of that. How, how could God use me? My life isn't all together, so God couldn't use me. We have these thoughts roaming through our head on reasons why God couldn't use us. God couldn't use someone like me. I don't know enough of the Bible. I, I, God couldn't use me. My, my story really isn't a big deal. It's not like other stories that we hear. And, you know, no one would be encouraged or changed because of my story. We have these thoughts roaming through our head. And we have this sense of personal insignificance that keep us from accepting the call to be used by God. But this is how God thinks about you and I. Each and every one of you in here, everyone listening, this is how God thinks. God thinks this about you, that you're completely accepted. God thinks this about you, that you're unconditionally loved, that you are totally forgiven, you are considered extremely valuable, and you are someone that God wants to use. Someone just like you. Someone just like you. Someone just like you. Let's not forget, church, um, when we try to give God excuses for him not using us, that the Bible is full of men and women who God deliberately or on purpose decided to use despite their shortcomings. I, I know we talk about this a lot, but I think we need to be reminded because we, 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 we think that God can't use someone like us. But the Bible is full of men and women who God used. Noah was addicted to alcohol and God used him. Moses had a stuttering problem, felt very insignificant and insecure with even talking to people, and God used him. David cheated on his wife, among many things. He was an adulterer. Rahab was a prostitute, and God used her. Elijah battled severe depression, anxiety, and suicide thoughts, and God used him. We can keep going. Peter had a, 
a bad anger problem. Bad anger problem. And he lied about everything. Couldn't tell the truth to save his soul. And God used him. Abraham, he didn't believe God could use him at one point because he was too old. But God still used Abraham in his old age. Timothy was a young adult with no ministry experience and was called to pastor this great church. And he had feelings of insignificant and I'm not enough, and, but God still used him. Mary was 16 years old when God called her to give birth to the Savior of the world. Sarah laughed at God when she was told she would have kids in her old age, but God used her. Jacob was a deceiver, but God used him. We can go on and on and on. I mean, we can go through the whole Old Testament and New Testament and find person after person in whom God used because he's looking to use somebody just like you. Some will say just like me. God used people who failed because failure is an event, not a person. Failure is an event, not a person. Just because you failed doesn't mean you're a failure. Come on, somebody. I can't get no help in here. I'm going to go back on vacation. Hmm? You see, we have this idea that perfection is the emission price into the kingdom of God. Perfection is, is not the admission price into the kingdom of God, nor is it what God looks for to use someone just like you. What is he looking for, Jacob? What are you talking about? Like, what, what do I need? What do I need to do? What are my steps? I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm ready to tell you today. Three things I want to give you that God is looking for to use somebody just like you. Just like you, I don't care what your age is. I don't care how many times you've been divorced. I don't care what your struggle is. I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned what you did last night. I'm not concerned what you did this morning. God wants to use somebody just like you. First thing he's looking for is availability. Availability. He's not really as concerned of, uh, about your ability as he is your availability. See, see, we think, well, well, I, I just don't have the ability to be used by God. I, I could never talk like you talk. Listen, I, I'm operating in the number one fear in the world right now, public speaking. Most of you will never stand on a stage and speak. It's the number one fear. It has been for decades. The second fear is spiders. The third fear is clowns. We will never have clowns at our church. I just want to set you free. We, we are not having a clown ministry. Don't bring your husband and say, here's a clown. No, I'm just kidding. I got you to laugh at least. <laughs> but, but, but I don't, I'm, I could never be on a stage and play an instrument and sing a song. I, I could never be a lead. I don't have that ability. But do you have availability? Because that's all God's looking for. Somebody who says, God, I'm available. Because God uses what you have to fill a need which you never could have filled. God uses 
you to take you where you could have never gone when you're available. God uses what you have to accomplish what you never could have done. And God uses who you are to let you become who you never could have been. Why? Because God uses those who make themselves available to him. God, I'm, I'm available. It, it's kind of what the little boy did when Jesus was teaching on the hillside. He said, I got a lunchbox and it's available to be used. Thank God for the mom. We never talk about the mom who packed the lunchbox. Thank God for moms who pack lunchboxes. Come on, somebody. The mom packed a little boy's lunchbox that provided the first mass miracle that Jesus ever performed. He took the little, the little boy, the disciples, like, hey, anybody got any food? Anybody got a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A stashed away? That rhymed. No one had anything, but the little boy said, hey, I, 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 I got little something. I, I'm available. I, I'll make this available. What did Jesus do? He took the little and he turned it into much. He took the little and he turned it into much. If you'll bring him the little, he'll turn it into much. If you, be, if you become available, he'll turn it into much. Well, I, I just, I, 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 I stutter. I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know any scriptures. If you take the little, he'll turn it into much. Are you hearing me today? God wants to use somebody just like you. What about David? We're going to talk about him later on in the message, but David had a small job of taking care of his father's sheep. He had an insignificant assignment, but it produced a significant opportunity. Did you hear me? Insignificant, off to the side. His brothers, his six brothers, out being trained for, for war, for military, had all the right training, had all the right gear. Here David is, just being faithful over the sheep. His dad told him, go over to that side of the hill and take care of the sheep. Insignificant assignment, but yet it produced a significant opportunity because David said, I'm available. I'll be available. To the last thing my daddy told me to do. The definition of faithfulness, church, is this. Have you, are you doing the last thing your daddy, your heavenly father, told you to do? Faithfulness. Definition of faithfulness. Are you doing the last thing he told you to do? Well, no one's seen, no one seen David. No one's seen him when the lion and the bear came. And tried to steal his sheep. And he said, not on my watch. Daddy told me to protect the sheep. Daddy told me to watch over the sheep. And though no one else is looking, that bear, you ain't having my sheep for lunch. God was preparing him. Insignificant assignment. God was preparing him. God was preparing him. David, can you be faithful to be available to me? Because I want to use somebody just like you. I want to use somebody just like you, with God, little put in his hands turns into much. Can you be available to serve someone else's vision while yours is on hold? I can't get no help in this Presbyterian church. Can you be available to serve someone else's vision while yours is on hold? Well, when am I going to get an opportunity to shine? When am I? Can you be available to serve someone else's vision while yours is on hold? While you're in process. While you're in process. Where God wants to do some things in you first so he can then do some things through you. Can, can, are you hearing me today? 
Can you serve someone else even when you need to be served? Can you say, you know, I got a lot of needs. I got a lot of things going on. But my neighbor, I know she's elderly and she needs her grass mowed. I think I'm going to go serve her. Huh? So-and-so needs help with their groceries. And, you know, I don't have a lot of money, but here's 20 bucks to help you with your groceries. Will you make yourself available? I know you only got 15 minutes on your break at work, but can you take five minutes and encourage that coworker who's going through a divorce? Will you make yourself available? Hmm? Are you making yourself available for God to use somebody just like you at home, at the job, in your marriage, at church? Because here at Fuel Church, we refuse to let this rescue mission turn into a yacht club. That's why we're always pushing you. Make yourself available. Make yourself available. Make yourself available. God will fill the space. God will fill the need when you make yourself available. When you make yourself available. We believe at Fuel Church that the radically rescued rescue radically. So we cannot sit by. Why? Because we believe everyone plays a role in this place in making heaven a bigger place. Oh, we cannot sit on the sidelines. No, we can't afford to sit up, to be on the sidelines, for you to be on the sidelines. We can't afford to not give it 100% every Sunday. We can't afford to say, they really don't need me on the dream team. We can't afford to say, God doesn't need me giving financially to his church. We can't afford to say, it doesn't take all this. We can't afford not to present the gospel in an attractive, compelling, and fun way. Why? Because... Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. Every Sunday, somebody broken is walking through these doors. Are you making yourself available to be used by God? She's coming. He's coming. They're coming. That family's coming. That teenager who's involved in the wrong lifestyle is coming. We can't afford to have you on the sidelines. We need everybody saying, God, I believe you can use somebody just like me. I'm available, God. I'm available. I may not have the ability, but I am available. Use me. Use me. God wants to use someone like you. Number one, availability. Number two. He's looking for someone with courage. Someone say courage. He's looking for someone with courage. A woman named Esther had courage to speak up. A woman. Someone say a woman. God uses women in these days. Come on, somebody. I know some churches say God can't use women. I, I, I believe God uses women. Come on now. Uh, women can't be used by God. I don't find that in the Bible. I find God using women all throughout the Bible. Some of our greatest leaders in this church are women. Did you hear me? Some of the greatest leaders in this church are women. And God used Esther, brought her into the kingdom, the Bible says, for such a time as this. To speak up when all the Jews were being killed, persecuted, and stop King Haman's plot to take out, to distinguish, to extinguish rather, the Jewish population. She had courage to speak up. She had courage to speak up. She had courage to speak up for what was right. She had courage to tell somebody about the love of Jesus Christ. She had courage to live it when no one was looking, to stand up for what was right. You see, I, I, I know this for a fact. If you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. Do you have the courage to live it? 
Do you have the courage to, to, to say no to that behavior and lifestyle that keeps you chained up? Do you have the courage to share your story? If they made it illegal to be a Christian and they put you in jail, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Oh, you didn't hear that. Yeah, you're thinking. If they made it illegal to be a Christian and they put you in jail and you went to the court hearing, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would they say that one stood up for what he believed? He had courage. She had courage to live it when no one was looking. Anybody can lift their hands on Sunday morning at 915. Come on, somebody. Anybody can praise God when hundreds and people are coming out to church. But do you have the courage to live it when no one else is looking? Courage to step up and to be used by God, to pursue a dream, to pursue a business. Do you have the courage to say, I'm, I'm going to go after that? Nothing's going to stop me. Nobody can talk me out of it. This is the dream. This is the vision that God placed in my heart, and I'm going to pursue it, and I'm going to go after it. Courage to join the dream team. Courage to take your next step, whether it's baptism, whether it's going through next steps, whether it's joining up with the team. Courage to step out and say, I'm shy, I'm backward, I'm an introvert, but God, I'm available. Use me. Hmm? Because God wants to use somebody just like you. Number three, God's looking for somebody with faith. Availability, courage, and faith. Someone say faith. Faith. Faith without works is dead. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love what Jesus said. The disciples like, Jesus, we, we, we want more faith. It came to him one time. We want more faith. And Jesus said, listen, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, a mustard seed, you could say to that sycamore tree, be plucked out of the ground, be rooted out, and thrown into the sea, and it would happen. What was Jesus saying? Jesus said, faith starts with something small as a mustard seed. A mustard seed is literally one to two millimeters big. If I had one in my hand right here, you wouldn't even see it from where you're sitting. It's that small of a seed. And Jesus compared having faith. They said, we want great faith. And he said, if you just have mustard seed faith, you can tell that tree, move. You can speak. Someone say speak. You can speak to that tree to move. I love that, man, because it it puts us all on level playing ground. It puts us all on level. All we need is mustard seed faith and, and things can happen in our life. That mountains have to move when we speak. There's many faith-filled men and women in the Bible. It's a Bible of faith. It's a Bible of men and women stepping out in faith, but one stands out to me, and that would be David. David was such a faith-filled young man. As a teenager, he was worshiping God. As a teenager, he was writing the book of Psalms on the side of a mountain as he's taking care of the sheep. As a teenager, like I said, he was faithful taking care of his father's sheep. Why? Because one day he would face a Goliath. He would face the biggest giant he would ever encounter in his life. The biggest giant. And God was preparing him on the backside of the hill for that moment, for that moment in time, for him to have faith in the midst of a giant staring him down. I love this about David because... He walks up to the battle 
And the army of Israel is freaking out. Here they are, trained. Here they are, all the weapons. Here they are, scared. 40 days, the Bible says, the giant comes out, taunts them, mocks them, laughs at them, makes fun of their God, and they run in fear. Thousands of people run in fear. Not one would stand up to the giant. David comes out to deliver lunch to his brothers, and he says, what's going on out here? He gets the word on how the giant is defying his God, and he said, not on my watch. Oh, David sees what others, what others don't, and he refuses to see what others do. Because it's all about your perspective to your problems. It's all about your perspective when you're facing a giant. Oh, he, he, he sees the giant, but he knows his God. Uh, he, the people knew the taunts, the people knew the demands, the people knew the size and the strut of the giant, but David said, I know my God. You see, I've been with him. I've been with him, and when the lion tried to come and steal my sheep, God gave me the faith and the power to kill that lion. When the bear came and tried to steal my daddy's sheep, God gave me the faith and power to destroy that bear. Hmm? The people majored on Goliath, David majored on his God. It's not a matter of you facing Goliath in your life, but it's a matter of who you major on. All of us have Goliath in our life right now. David majors on God. He sees the giant, but he sees God more. And let me just insert this. Sometimes the greatest Goliath you face is not standing in front of you, but is standing in you. Because many times the greatest enemy is the inner me. It's not the giant that you see, it's the giant that you hear. Sometimes the greatest enemy is the inner me. It's the inner me, it's the thoughts, the insignificant thoughts. David made a decision to have faith to make his God bigger than the nine-foot giant. Not only did he come up to the battlefield and think in his mind, I remember how God gave me the faith to destroy the lion and the bear. He not only began to think it and process it and get his perspective right, but he also began to speak it. Someone say speak it. He also began to speak it. He began to speak that this giant, this giant you, stand, you see right here, he will no longer stand because I'm going to feed his body to the buzzards with a stone and a slingshot. I'm going to kill him with the strength of my God. Oh, his faith wasn't in himself. His faith was in his God because he had a history of victory. Because he pulled back to the lion and the bear. He pulled back to those stories where God's spirit came on him and gave him the strength and the power and the faith to destroy the lion and the bear. And so therefore he could declare this little scrawny teenager in the midst of high trained, big military men. He could declare this giant you see today, you will see no more because my God will give me the power to defeat this Goliath. Your faith doesn't move until your mouth moves. Jesus said in Mark 11, grab this and I'm done. Mark 11, 22 through 24. I feel like preaching today, but I'm out of time. 
Y'all need to give me more time up in here. Jesus answering said to them, have faith in God. Well, how do we have faith in God, Jesus? Well, you got to say to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and do not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say and it shall come to pass. Are you hearing me? This is Mark eleven twenty two through 24. But believe it and it shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. He shall have whatever he says. He shall have whatever he says. What are you saying? You shall have whatever you say. I have a bad marriage. I have horrible kids. I have bad fun. You shall have whatever you say. Your, 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 your faith doesn't move until your mouth moves. Some of you need to start using your mouth to move your mountains. You need to use your mouth. No, not just your mind, your mouth. You need to speak to the mountain. You need to speak to that insecurity. You need to speak to that storm. You need to speak to that trial that you're going through. That bad marriage that you're in right now. That wayward teenager. You need to speak to it. You need to speak peace to your troubled mind. You need to tell anxiety, it has no part in my life. Say to the mountain and it shall be removed. Have faith as a mustard seed and say to the tree. Both stories, and there's many more in the Bible. Both stories, Jesus says, you gotta say something. You gotta say something. You gotta say something. You gotta say something. Hmm? Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. You know that God is only as big as you make him, right? If you don't believe he can, he can do something, then he won't. Did you hear me? Because he's moved by faith. It's the currency that moves God, faith. Faith. And so I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you in your faith to start saying to your mountain, see it removed, say it removed, and seize it removed. See it, say it, seize it. See it, say it, seize it. There is power in your mouth. The word of God is nigh unto you, even in your mouth, the Bible says. Oh, if you want the rest of this message, you need to stay for 11. Because I'm out of time. You know, God could use somebody. Somebody just like you. Well, you don't know. I, it doesn't matter. Stop. Stop saying that. Stop saying that. Stop, stop being a victim of your past. Stop telling everybody what happened 30 years ago. It's done. It's covered under the blood. Move on. Stop bringing it up to your spouse, what they did 20 years ago. It's done. It's under the blood. You're giving power to that thing. Stop it right now. Are you hearing me? I'm teaching you a principle that if you grab, it'll change your stinking life right now. It'll change everything. This, this scripture, Mark 11, 22 and 24, I got a hold of that in Bible college. It changed my life. It changed my entire life. And I begin to start saying things. I speak it out of my mouth. Every day I do it. Every day I do it. People think I'm crazy. 
I'd be in the drive-thru saying things. I'd be up in Starbucks. I'd be up in the restaurant saying things. I'll go buy property and I'll say things. Thank you, Lord. That's our property. Thank you, Lord. You're gonna, the wealth of the sinners is laid up for the righteous. I thank you, Lord, for that millionaire right there. I thank you, Lord, he's coming to Fuel Church. I thank you, Lord. Come on now. I, I just say stuff all the time. And you know what's crazy? It comes to pass. I spoke this church into existence. Five years ago, a man by the name of Pastor Jensen Franklin stirred up a seed inside of me. Five years ago, to be exact. And he said, there's a church in you. This is what the man of God said. He said, there's a church in you. He began to water that seed. And I began to say what I wanted that church to look like. And I began to speak it. That won't you do it, God, in the state of Indiana? Won't you raise up a body of believers that are just bold enough to say, God can start a revival in the city of Kokomo? That God can raise up a multi-generational, multicultural church in the city of Kokomo that can spread through the whole state of Indiana and throughout the world. And I begin to speak it. I spoke you into existence, some of you. You were on a bar stool. You were incarcerated. You were on meth. You were on crack. I spoke you into existence. Once you start speaking to your family members who are lost into existence, once you start speaking to this city, once you start speaking that this city will release the land to build Valley of Grace. Why don't you start speaking it with me? Why don't you start speaking that God's gonna give us more property so we can build a bigger building? Why don't you start speaking to multiple campuses that are coming? Why don't you start speaking to your marriage? Why don't you start speaking to your finances that you're no longer gonna live a poverty mentality, but you're gonna decree and declare, God wants me blessed. God wants me prosperous. God doesn't want you poor. He wants you blessed. We can't build buildings with poor people. And we love poor people. We love all people. But God has called some of you to be blessed and prosperous so you can advance the kingdom of God. Why are y'all egging me on today in first service? I got two more services to preach. Just settle down. God wants to show you off. I love that in the message. Paul said, God wants to show me off. God wants to show someone like you off. He does. Because the best sermon you can preach isn't from a pulpit. It's from your lifestyle. It's not from a pulpit. It's not the best sermons I preach. I thank you for the compliments, but it's not it. It's who I am outside of here. It's who I am with my neighbors. It's who I am with my wife, how I treat my wife, how I treat my kids. It's how I manage my finances, how I put God first or not in my money. That's the best sermons you can preach. God wants to use somebody just like you. Bow your heads with me. Close your Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. And
Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and uh, I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here. But find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.